Hey everybody, how's it going? My name is Harrison Beebe. I am the sports director at Up North Live, TV 7 and 4, ABC 29 and 8, our Up North Live umbrella, and you are tuned in to the second episode of The Hometowner. I hope our listeners who caught episode one, at least when I released it a week ago, maybe you're listening to this episode five years after it dropped in the year 2026. I hope our listeners who are here in the year 2021 enjoyed what they heard in the first episode. And if you haven't, you can go back and listen to the first episode. Or if you just want to be timely, you can sit down, relax, and enjoy episode two as we're diving deep into the northern Michigan sports scene and uh, the Michigan sports scene in general as we enter this fall 2021 season for all things high school sports, college sports, looking ahead to the exciting parts of the pro sports that will be coming back. And we're also going to be featuring interviews with uh, some familiar faces that you've seen or at least heard of around the sports world, players, athletes, experts that want to lend their opinions to the, the sports that matter to all of us. And, you know, as much as I love summer vacation and golfing and baseball, it's also, uh, you know, kind of a drag when you get through the months of July and August and all you really have. Obviously, we had an Olympic year, which was pretty cool. But when you just have baseball and golf, it kind of gets drowned out after a while and you're looking forward to the return of football. And that is exactly what we have. High school is back. College is back. Pro football starts this Thursday on 7-4 and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending NFL champions, Super Bowl champions, take on the Dallas Cowboys. It'll be our game on our NBC 7-4 and four affiliate, so be sure to check that one if you're a football fan. We've got the full slate Sunday. The Lions open with the San Francisco 49ers. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great weekend because we'll have high school football Friday, college football on Saturday, and a full day of pro football on Sunday. So football fans are getting their fix, and other sports are going to be filtering in throughout, and that's that's the great part of the September into October into November part of the year is we get, we get all those sports that we kind of missed. And, obviously, we all are busy in the summer months going on vacations and, uh, you know, not wanting to sit indoors and watch TV as much as as, uh, maybe in the winter months. And now that's where we transition now into the sports-heavy portion of the calendar. And uh, we're excited about it. I'm excited about it. The start of every kind of big sports season always gets me a little amped up. Curious to see which teams show up from the off-seasons and uh, have improved the most on, on what they contributed the year before. So, here we are on the precipice of another great football season at all three levels. And, uh, of course, it's not just about the football here on the hometown. We want to touch on a lot of the local sports in the high school level. We'll touch on high school football in a second. But, you know, the other high school fall sports, soccer, volleyball, cross-country boys tennis uh, a lot of great teams in the area a lot of great athletes in the area I myself ran cross country for Traverse City Central so I also want to give away that was kind of also a double meaning for the hometowner because I'm a hometown kid here in Traverse City in northern Michigan reporting on these sports so I'm, I was in, in involved in the uh, competitive level in, on a sport that doesn't get as many headlines as a high school football but I can vouch you know runners in cross country, work just as hard as those in any other sports. Uh, they're logging the miles, especially the ones that are committed all season long. I ran in the winter and summer months to make sure I was in peak condition for cross country in the fall and track in the spring. So just like just like all the other sports that matter, their athletes, you know, these sports are sometimes year long. Obviously, big shout out to our multi sport athletes who are doing different things across different seasons and uh, enjoying more than one realm of competition. Uh, but some of our athletes like to specialize and just do those specific sports all year too, which is is very cool. As long as you're getting out and active and uh, having fun and working with teammates and growing as a person and experiencing all that sports can offer you, I think that's really the only thing that matters at the end of the day. 
And uh, yeah, my competitive days may be behind me, although I still go running every once in a while. But um, it's just exciting to have this season back and, and to touch back on where we're going, those high school fall sports. Some of those rankings are being released as we speak. You know, I've seen some boys soccer polls already out. Not giving a lot of love for uh, our three semifinalist teams from a year ago. Elk Rapids and Leland both making the state semifinals in boys soccer. TC West making the finals for two straight years in Division One, which is incredible for Matt Grissinger's group there at Travis City West Senior High. Uh, none of those three in the rankings. I think West might have snuck into the honorable mentions, actually, now that I think about it. But um, it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on which teams uh, get a lot of love from the committees who put those polls together. And uh, for me to check out, I've caught a couple soccer games already. I, I visited the brand-new Trojan Athletic Complex last week where Traverse City Central will have soccer and baseball and softball games now for the – future for for the next 10 20 30 years 40 years however long that happens i remember going to games at coast guard field as a kid and that same site exists now but it's been highly renovated and up, updated so pretty cool spot there if you're in the traverse city area to check it out volleyball we know we've got some very strong volleyball programs we're excited to see them here in the next few weeks see how they look i know we've had a few teams in the rankings cadillac i saw was in the division two rankings they were in the semifinals a year ago at battle creek uh, I saw Traverse City Christian, actually, I think, in the Division Four state rankings. So the Sabres getting some love from the committee early. I know they had a good season last last year, uh, got ousted by the powerhouse that is the Leland Comets in the postseason. But should be interesting to see what T.C. Christian has in store. The, the pollsters obviously enjoy what they're seeing from them. Got a lot of great cross-country stories to talk about, a lot of good teams, a lot of great runners. You know, shout out Hunter Jones and Benzie Central, one of the best runner, male runners in the country. Julia Flynn of TC Central is one of the best female runners in the country. So not only excited to see how they do, but how their teams do this year. But even the great stories that come out of nowhere. We featured Johannesburg Lewis in a week ago. The Cardinals uh, doing pretty well in the small school division of that Benzie Central invite back in the last weekend of August. And uh, they're pretty excited to see how they can improve on this year. And it's it's great to talk to guys that are just, you know, going in the right direction. And they're, they're kind of eating up what they're doing. And, and really profiting off that and really taking advantage of the, the opportunities they have to really do some damage in those sports. So, you know, as the year goes on, we're going to be featuring a lot more of those events, especially as I see more of those teams in action. I've only seen a few soccer games so far. We caught one volleyball game so far this season, but now that the school year's starting, I imagine some of those schedules will be a little more regular on our radar. So uh, keep a lookout on our Up North Live sports coverages and uh, right here in the hometowner for more on that. But real quick, to cover the high school football notes because we've seen a lot of football in the last two weeks. I've, I've caught eight games now in the two weeks to start the season because they were spread over two nights. So of the two weeks of the year, I've had four nights to catch games, and I caught two games each night. And uh, some incredible stuff I've seen so far in this young 2021 season. Uh, the Kingsley Stags look for real. They shut out Glen Lake last week in the salute to service game. And, you know, we know Tim Moore's teams come to play. And a lot of people wondered how they were going to look after having to forfeit their playoff game last year when they were a potential state championship caliber team. And uh, it appears even with losing some seniors, the Stags have still uh, brought brought all the energy and intensity to the field. And they're going to be another tough out in their conference, in their division. And, uh, I mean, if you do that to a rival in Glen Lake, that's also a pretty strong uh, program here in our area. You know you're sending a message to the entire state 
that you're legit. The Cadillac Vikings, they were a state finalist a year ago. They are out to a 2-0 start. They get Traverse City West on Friday, which would be interesting. I, talk, I talked with head coach Cody Mallory of the Vikings about, you know, maybe this is the year you guys, to send a statement, you want to beat one of those Traverse City schools at least, and TC West is coming to their place on Friday. The Titans are off to a 2-0 start after beating Midland at the Big House and Grand Haven in the Coast Guard Cup. So that's going to be one of our exciting matchups for this Friday. Uh, Traverse City, St. Francis, obviously another state finals from a year ago. The Gladiator two and o- Gladiators are 2-0. They just got a great win over Grayling at home last week. And Grayling's a tough opponent with one of the best running backs, probably in the state, and David Milliken. So you know if the Glads were able to kind of keep him in check. They've got another special group. Sutton's Bay, another state finalist. They are out to a 2-0 start. You know, last year we had all these teams make runs to the semifinals and three of them to the finals. And it was just the biggest amount of teams we'd ever seen from our northern Michigan region, at least since I've been covering sports up here make it that far and it appears those same teams are hungry for more and that didn't even include the Kingsleys who are also out to dominant starts. Shout out to Boyne City. I was at the Rambler Charlevoix game on Friday night and Boyne City took control of that one early and they're in that same division now with Charlevoix. That's the NMFL leaders division. So the Ramblers are a team to look out for. They're going to take on Glen Lake this weekend. So what's going to give there? Glen Lake really not not wanting to drop two games in a row and Boyne City would love to start 2-0 in conference play. So a lot of intriguing storylines in that game at Boynt City. A lot of exciting stuff just on our our doorstep here for this season as schools get started all across the region uh, this week. At least some of them have probably been underway, but uh, by by this week when you're listening to this, most schools will be in session. So now we're kind of in that full fall mode, even though as the seasons go, fall still a couple weeks away. It's always kind of now that we're wrapping up with Labor Day, it always seems like fall is uh, now on on our uh, focus, on our radar. And summer, maybe we'll squeeze in a couple more beach days, but it seems like summer, besides the fact that baseball is still playing, for the majors is uh, pretty much in the rearview mirror, and we enjoyed it. Can't wait for summer 2022, but we got we got the new season and the new uh, teams and the storylines to follow. But having said that, before we officially put a capper on summertime in Northern Michigan, to make sure Kid Rock doesn't get too miserable and upset. Uh, we want to give a shout out. I teased it last week at the end of the episode. If you caught episode one. The Traverse City Pittsburghers have won two Northwoods League championships in their two full Northwoods League seasons, which is just remarkable because nobody in the history of the Northwoods League since 1994 has won two championships back-to-back, and the Traverse City Pittsburghers did it in their first two full seasons as an organization which is just incredible stuff. 2020 did not count. There was no official tournament played. The teams were in their pods, you may recall. So the Traverse City Pittsbitters played the Great Lakes Resorters all throughout the summer, just back and forth at Turtle Creek Stadium. And that was it for their 2020 season. It's hard to really count that as an official competitive year in the Northwoods League because they didn't really play any of the Northwoods League. So if you ask most people, they consider this a repeat championship even though they're separated by two years. Uh, but the Pittsburghers are on top. They beat the St. Cloud Rocks in the championship game a few Friday nights ago, 9-3. to And uh, they had a phenomenal season, putting up some high scoring. They had three games this year where they scored 20 runs or more. Two of them were back-to-back. And uh, Josh Reban is the incredible field manager there for the Pittsbitters at Turtle Creek Stadium. And uh, he's been there since day one and been a great leader for this team, bringing up some college kids 
to Northern Michigan and really reshaping what baseball in Traverse City looks like in the summers after we had all those years of the Traverse City Beach Bums. A lot of people were wondering how the Pitts bitters would look. They were optimistic with the West Michigan Whitecaps organization help run the the group starting up here in Traverse City, but uh, you never know for sure how a team's going to look and how a crowd's going to take to them. I think anybody who was involved in one of those 2019 games remembers how cool that was for that championship run. Uh, they clinched the title at home at Turtle Creek Stadium back in 2019. This year they clinched it on the road, but still special nonetheless, and a lot of guys in that 2019 team were on the 2021 team as well. So a lot to talk about with Josh this week. He was gracious enough to give us a few minutes on his holiday weekend, and uh, without uh, wasting any more time, we're going to dive right into our interview with Josh Rebant, uh, all things pit spitters uh, and beyond. You may even like his TV show recommendations at the end of the interview if you stick around. So let's head over to Josh right now. Josh, you are my, my first legit guest as, as far as being directly involved in the sport and you're sitting on cloud nine and I, I don't mean that as a, uh, wait, wait, no cloud. I'm blanking. No, who was, yeah. St. Cloud, right. Wasn't that the team you beat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yep. awkwardly enough, terrible pun for the St. Cloud rocks, the team you beat in the championship game, but uh, two titles in two full postseasons for the Pittsburghers in their two years, the first team in the Northwoods league to repeat as champions and you do it in your first two Northwoods league tournaments. I mean, I ask this question all the time to coaches when they do something phenomenal, but back when you first started with the team in the spring of 2019, could you have safely said a very believable option was going to be to win two championships in a row? No shot, no shot. I would have <laughs> never, never would have thought that. And honestly, going into year one, you know, the hope was to just, make the playoffs, put a competitive team on the field, um, you know, and hopefully find a way to play some meaningful games in August. And then obviously, you know, year one was really special in a lot of ways um, and laid a really nice foundation, you know, for what, what was to come, you know, ahead of that. Um, and then being able to repeat, obviously last year, you know, was, was a different type of year. So this year was the true, Northwoods league full season again, and being able to repeat, um, you know, I putting together the roster, I felt like we'd have a chance to, you know, get back into the playoffs. And I knew we had a lot of returners with a lot of experience. Um, so I thought there was a decent chance to get into the playoffs, but it's not easy to win in the playoffs. I mean, Kokomo, that three game series we had with them to get going in the playoffs was a really tough series. We obviously took the one at home fairly easily. Um, you know, I think it was nine to two or nine, three, mm -hmm. uh, but then we lost on the road. We got shut out. Um, and then that game three was a back and forth game that, you know, just dog clawing our way into finding a way to win. So um, the whole playoff run was a lot of fun though. And being able to repeat was, was obviously super cool. What yeah. was, especially to do it on the road, you know, obviously you would have liked to win at home like you did in 2019 and have a whole bunch of fans there and just creating that great baseball environment. Uh, but a championship's a championship and it, it's almost a, probably a little sweeter to win on the road based on the fact that, you know, you had that long bus was like 12 hour bus ride to do the day did you do it the day before or did you do it the day of yeah we did the uh the day before so we drove through the up we stopped for lunch at move and fries and knobbin way um and then we practiced in wisconsin ate dinner in wisconsin got to the hotel at about midnight and then woke up the next day and that was our championship day so so you had a day to kind of recover from the bus ride but that's still you know to turn around and play in the most important game of the year in a stadium you've never played in before 
against the team that had the best record in the league all year, won both their division on both sides. Uh, I mean, what was your head like going in? Just give us a chance. You know, how you, you're playing with house money. If you lose, you were supposed to lose. And if you win, it's it's sweet. Yeah, I don't, I guess I don't really know exactly how to describe that. Like, you know, I think the guys that especially were here in 2019 going into it, we wanted to win, like have that chance to repeat. And um, obviously the new guys did too, you know, the guys that were experiencing it for the first time. But I think, you know, in a lot of ways, the guys that were with us for, you know, two or three years really wanted to have that chance to repeat. Um, they knew that it had never been done in the Northwoods league before. Um, and so being able to do something like that and just kind of make a little bit of history uh, was something that was definitely talked about a little bit um, <clears throat> throughout the, throughout the postseason and being able to do it on the road, like you said, it would have been awesome to do it in front of, you know, 4,500 again at Turtle Creek, uh, but doing it on the road, they had some, they had a pretty nice crowd there. They were into it. Um, they made some really big plays early. They scored a run in the first. So, um, you know, it wasn't the final score didn't necessarily dictate what those first, you know, four or five innings were really like until we started being able to add a couple more later in the game. But um, the environment was super cool. Um, being able to do it on the road also means maybe a little bit more just because it is usually a little bit harder from whatever it seems I don't know if that's really a analytical you know something that would be correct analytically that it's harder to win on the road um you know one game playoff but you would you just kind of feel like it is because you know you just feel like the odds are against you with the crowd um you know not being in your favor you know those kinds of things so well if you ask the Colorado Rockies this year uh they would tell you playing at home is is the greatest thing on earth because their their home and road record is my brother-in-law showed me it over the weekend it is just a ridiculous back and forth stat they are world beaters at home and they can't you know they're playing a little better on the road but I it's just perplexing to see a major league baseball team be so different at home and away so there's definitely a, a challenge there and a challenge you guys were more than willing to take on uh, obviously great pitching performances in the playoffs. Uh, you know, you're really, you reference the guys that have been there for a few years, like Mario Camaletti, like Christian Faust, you know, really, really delivering in key moments. Uh, it, it, you probably don't know the specifics yet, but has there been any talk of those guys still being able to come back for, for one more year? Yeah. So those guys that have been around for three years won't be eligible to return. Okay. Um, just because their college eligibility will be up after this year. Um, the only ones that would be able to return would be um, some pitchers. So like John Bucalaire, Pat Holfeld, technically those guys would be able to return. Um, we just don't know, you know, necessarily what their post-grad plans are going to be yet. And some of them, they don't even really know yet either, um, you know, in terms of, you know, should we get into should we get a job? Should we, um, you know, try and, you know, play this thing professionally, um, you know, whatever capacity that might look like. So, uh, but yeah, like the guys like Camaletti, Faust, Mayday, Proctor, um, you know, those guys will, won't be able to return. Wow. It's weird to think there's going to be a Pittsburgh game without Mario Camaletti in a uniform, but uh, I guess, I guess that day has unfortunately come, but Hey, he can say he went two for two in the, the seasons that mattered. So and it yep. seems like all those guys are now uh, gathering at CMU to play baseball. He's got a few guys to join him after transferring last year. You got Chris Monroe and another one of your guys. So I, I did, did it just seem like the click that they formed in this summer league here really kind of create that idea that, Hey, we should join up together in the school years too. 
Yeah, I think it kind of matched up well for um, Chris Monroe and Adam Proctor. Both of them were, have graduated now from Michigan State and then also Springfield, Uni University of Illinois Green, uh, Springfield for Monroe. And um, I think it just matched up well for what Central was looking for. Um, and I think, you know, just the fact that, you know, all of them were, ended up on the same team here was maybe a little bit more coincidence. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Proctor and Camaletti have played together now for a couple of years. So uh, I think, you know, there may have been a little bit of, you know, hopeful on Mario's part for Proctor to end up at Central. Um, but I think Chris was just a little bit more of a random type thing where it ended up being the right fit for what Central's looking for. Um, you know, in terms of trying to get a little bit more power in their lineup, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's super cool to see, you know, those three guys will be playing with each other, um, you know, come springtime and they get another chance to make a run at it, you know, together, which is pretty cool. Yeah, CMU uh, making history before you guys made history, getting in the NCAA tournament this past spring. So maybe we'll get the chance to, before we hopefully see some pit spitters in the major leagues, maybe we see some of these pit spitters uh, really show off in the NCAA tournaments next spring. Um, you've had a few weeks to kind of assess how, how this whole season went, I guess, give me your opinion. What, what was the bigger challenge dealing, coaching a team in the middle of a pandemic with COVID in 2020 or coaching a team with the pandemic there, but a little looser restrictions, but being a, a father to a newborn baby girl. <laughs> I would definitely say this year was a lot tougher um, with having the new daughter. Um, it's awesome. It was, you know, something I would never, you know, trade for for anything. Uh, but it did make the diff summer definitely a little bit more difficult, just logistically. Um, you know, lots of different things that you got to think about. Um, you know, the 2020 season, it was it was odd, weird. You know, all the things that we've talked about before. Um, but when you add, you know somebody else that means a ton to you, means the world to you, you know, into your daily life. And, you know, you can't see her daily or can't help out daily. Um, you know, that definitely changes things. Um, so I would definitely say this summer was far more difficult for various reasons um, than, than last year, 2020, but further, but still all good, um, just <laughs> more difficult. Um, in just a lot of different ways. So, well, and that's probably the best trophy you could possibly receive at the end of a season. It's not the championship trophy, but you get to spend every day with your your new permanent trophy. So, yeah, I was actually at home over the All Star break, and um, I my wife was working during the day, and so I was just kind of playing stay at home dad during the All Star break, and um, just was holding her in my arms and kind of got a little teary eyed just thinking about because it had been a little while since I had really gotten to spend that much time with her um you know in a in a given day so it was just kind of the cool special moment you know for me over the all-star break being able to hang out with her at home so it's cool mm -hmm. so how as now with being a few weeks and you just told me uh obviously we're a podcast even though we're doing this over zoom you and i can see each other our listeners can understand right behind you is a graph uh, a whiteboard or a clear board with names written on it clearly uh you're you're you haven't gone to work on that one yet but what has been the process now like to transition from 2021 to 2022 because like any great manager of a team I'm sure you're you're telling everybody you, you don't let that championship feeling linger for weeks and months you enjoyed it but now in a weird way you've already started planning ahead for the attempted three-peat in 2022. Yeah um, even though the names behind me might you know not 
dictate what you know is on the board for next year there is still a lot of um, contact that has been made with players for next summer um, it actually it coaches oftentimes try to start it while we're in the middle of our season I try as hard as I can to put it off till the end of the summer um, just because I want to make sure that I don't my focus doesn't turn too much. I want to might, might just kind of be present with where we're at during the season. Um, some of them you can't avoid, like you just gotta, you know, have some conversations and, you know, maybe even, you know, commit to a guy um, or two, but I usually try to wait until guys get back on campus, talk to their coaches, that type of thing. Uh, but we definitely have started making progress towards next year's roster already. Um, I'm, as every year, you know, it's exciting being able to see what players, are wanting to come to Traverse City and each year I feel like that pool of players keeps getting broader and broader. Um, I think, you know, the facilities, the word has gotten out about our facilities in Traverse City, the front office that we have. Um, <clears throat> there's so many variables that I feel like we are really fortunate to have in Traverse City um, that has made selecting players more tough in a lot of ways because there's more players to choose from but also in some ways it's made it easier too because there's so much talent that does want to spend a summer in Traverse City um, so I think there's a lot of really good things going for us and obviously having you know now won it back-to-back -back years I think that momentum is definitely there and it, the word has gotten out to coaches that I had never talked to before um, you know just calling or emailing me and telling me how much they've heard about Traverse City and the organization and the team and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I think that's a testament to what our guys have been able to do on the field and, and you know, in terms of performance, going back to their programs better. Um, you know, I think that part is, has been really, really good. Yeah. And I mean, it's still just surreal to me to look. I just, before we started talking here, I, not that I want to give any credit to Wikipedia and how accurate their information is, but uh, at least for something like this, the Northwoods League page, it has the chart of all the teams that are involved in the Northwoods League. And the bar indicates how many years they've been in the league. You guys are still right at the bottom. There's one team that's joined since you guys. So you're still right at the bottom, but here you are two for two and one of uh, only, I believe, seven teams to win more than one title. And there's only two teams that have won more than two. So you're already in this elite air and you're still, according to that graph, at the, you know, the very smallest percentile of the history of the league, which is remarkable to think about what you guys have accomplished. And speaking of kind of remarkable accomplishments, not even looking at the postseason, I want to ask you what, what was more enjoyable for you? I think I know the answer and it probably seems more obvious, but I couldn't help but notice. 2019, you get that 18 game win streak, which is just unfathomable. I believe that's still a Northwoods league record from, from two years ago that has been broken. But this year you had those three games where you scored over 20 runs. Two of them were back to back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just these like things you don't see in baseball and you've done two kind of different forms of them with your teams in those 2019 and 2021 seasons. What, what do you think of those two stats was uh, I guess more unique to be right in the middle of. Yeah, it's funny you actually say that. So I, um, when I think about 2019, I felt like we were very pitcher. Now I shouldn't say I, we, we were balanced, but I, we were definitely more dominant on the pitching side with, um, you know, the starters like Andrew Hoffman and Chad Patrick, Kyle Jones, Austin Shea. Um, you know, we had a lot of really good starting pitchers that summer um, and our offense was good. Um, but I, you know, I think, you know, having that 18 game winning streak, setting the record also for the 14 shutouts, um, across the season, you know, I think that was more, 
indicative of the pitching side of it. And then I felt like this year we were a little bit more offensive heavy. We were in the top, um, I think two or three um, for on base percentage, pretty much all season um, stolen bases. We were, we finished second. Um, <clears throat> I think RBIs run scored. It was all those categories. We were towards the top of the Northwoods league offensively and pitching wise. I still think we finished second or third in ERA overall. Um, so it's not like, you know, pitching took a back seat by any means, but when you compare the two teams, um, you know, I definitely feel like 2019 had, we were a little bit stronger on the pitching side. And then this year, like you said, you know, putting up 20 runs in some games that wasn't necessarily our game in 2019. It was more so winning some games, you know, three to one to nothing, um, you know, that type of thing where you didn't necessarily have to rely on the big hit, um, you know, or, every night because the pitching was there, but I felt like this year we were able to win a lot of games with our offense. Um, so I, you know, both parts were definitely had their um, different things that were, that were really cool about it. All right. We'll, we'll give you a push on that. We won't let you pick one team over another. Oh, if you want it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love, well, it's hard to say. I mean, offense is nice. You, you always feel more comfortable when your team can hit a little bit, but if you're sitting in the dugout and you can't, you can't throw a ball across the plate, which didn't happen this year, but, you know, pitching helps keep that momentum in the dugout. So I would always take a pitching and defense driven team over offense, just because the momentum is there. And I feel like a lot of times offense carries off of the defensive side of the ball. Um, so I would, I would have to choose the 2019 pitching and defense over 2021 offense, um, just because that's more of my, my style of, you know, how I feel like, you know, teams are really able to win consistently. All right. So that's the team you're a fan of as far as being in, involved in the game, but would you say maybe you were more surprised by the offensive outbursts? Like 18 wins is, is super impressive, but you know, day in, day out, if you stick to what you're doing, that is obtainable. And maybe you could tell me like scoring 20 runs three times is obtainable too, especially back-to-back -back nights. But when that happened, where you're just like, what in the, what did these guys eat today? Where's the Gatorade coming from? Right. Well, I, so I actually going into this year, I thought we were going to be a pretty heavy offense team, offensive team, um, not just with, you know, batting average, but on base percentage in general, like we, we had a quite a few guys who were able to work counts, get walked, get hit by pitch. Zeb Rose set, um, I know our Pittsburghers organization record, I think he almost tripled it for most hit by pitches in a season. Um, I think he was close to 20. I don't have it in front of me, um, but we just had a ton of guys that could get on base and also a lot of guys that were in their top four or five in the lineup at school. And so there weren't a lot of guys that were just trying to start to get their feet wet this summer. A lot of these guys had experience and had those at bats at the college level. Um, so I kind of felt like, you know, going into it, we were going to be a pretty strong offensive team. Um, you know, obviously when you put up 20 runs multiple nights in a row, it's definitely a little surprising. I didn't even when you're in the moment, you don't really always think about it. Uh, but then I had seen it written somewhere or I, I can't remember where. And I'm like, yeah, I guess we did. We did do that. Um, so, um, yeah, it's I, I did think our offense was going to be good. I didn't know we would do that, though, um, that we would be able to put up that many runs. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's happened in the majors with some team, but I certainly can't recall. I'm pretty positive it's never been with the Tigers, uh, at least since I've been alive. But uh, yeah, just phenomenal stuff from you guys in three seasons, two regular full playable seasons. 
Um, so enough with the baseball. Let's go on a, a fun note. We were talking off air of, uh, you know, favorite off-season activities. And you were one of the 800 people to recommend I make sure I watch Ted Lasso. So, uh, yeah, is, is Ted Lasso that everybody says it's great. But since you being in the middle of a championship run here, uh, I guess we'd take your recommendation as far as a show about a coach more than anybody else. You, you give your uh, 100% approval of Ted Lasso? Yeah, I love the show. Um, Ted is awesome. The the character Ted in the show, um, he is, uh, we've actually joked around with Todd Reed, our bench coach. It is Todd, um, Todd's personality um, is Ted. Like he is, it, it's just, it's really funny now watching Ted Lasso and then thinking about comparing him to Todd Reed um, in different unique ways, obviously not the whole character, but, you know, just kind of that personality of being super outgoing, super positive, um, you know, always trying to create something fun in the locker room or in the dugout. Um, We're getting a cocktail named after him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the margarita. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, my wife and I started watching it just recently. Um, We're into season two now um, and have really enjoyed the episodes and kind of the character building of it. Um, I would absolutely recommend if you're a sports fan, you like comedy, you like a little bit of drama with it. It's, it's a very good show. So Ted Lasso on Apple TV. It's uh, I've yet to meet a person that has not been impressed. So at this point, if you're into any of what Josh just pitched, you might as well find a way to do it. I mean, free trials exist. So (laughs) at the least give it a try that way. And uh, hopefully for your sake, uh, Todd doesn't uh, get the itch and go overseas and coach cricket or something now based (laughs) off that. He he very well might (laughs) with his his, uh, doctoral program that he's in. He's got to go to France. Um, oh wow okay so he is doing he might might just end up staying in france who knows (laughs) they got a lot of wine over there so we know we'd have a good time that way uh all right josh i don't want to take up any more of your time we're wrapping up this labor day holiday but i appreciate uh the great interview here as my first legit guest on the hometowner i almost called it the record eagle podcast which is the get around which is another great show to listen to but you tonight are on the hometowner and everybody's listening right now. So Josh, thank you again. Congrats on the amazing few years in Traverse city and uh, can't wait to see you again next spring, buddy. Hey, appreciate it, Harrison. Thanks a lot. All right. Big thanks again to Josh Reband for being our first official guest. We talked to James Cook last week and James was our first official guest as far as analysis and kind of breaking down the high school football scene goes. But Josh was our first guest that's actually on the field playing or coaching in these events. So uh, great to get his perspective. And, you know, the Pittsburghers, unfortunately, this year didn't get quite the coverage that they got in 2019 because they won that game on the road. In fact, they clinched it after the 11 o'clock news ended. I was already at home for the weekend when they officially wrapped up the title. So, And then I think I was off on vacation the start of the next week. So the Pittsburghers really didn't get a lot of limelight as far as media coverage goes for this 2021 championship team. So the Pittsburghers really didn't get a lot of coverage goes for the 2021 championship team, unfortunately, but we knew with an opportunity like this and Josh Reban being a great guy, we knew we wanted to sit down with him and pick his brain and just find out what, what was going on to make this team be so effective in so quick a time. And uh, I know he's excited for 2022 as we all are, but uh, that is a little ways out. We are about eight months away from the return of the Northwoods League, even, even more than that. It'll be late May of 2022. So I'm sure we'll have some more stuff on that come next spring, but 
you know, really, when we're talking about the fall season, we're talking about football, and college football is officially back. Michigan and Michigan State both starting their seasons over the weekend. Uh, the Spartans, I'm kind of like the Pittsburghers, having a late Friday game. MSU also with a late Friday game, but that didn't seem to bother them much because they took care of Northwestern in their Big Ten opener and their season opener. Incredible stuff by MSU, which probably definitely wasn't favored to beat Northwestern on the road. They went into Evanston, Illinois, and beat the Wildcats 38-21. And the real story of this one, Kenneth Walker III, the MSU running back, 23 carries, 264 yards, four touchdowns, the most effective rushing performance for an MSU running back since Edwin Baker back in, I believe, 2010 or 2011. It was early 2010s there, uh, right after I graduated from college, actually, in Michigan State. So it's been about a decade since an MSU running back has had that much of an effect on a ball game, and especially for that opening night game. He's a transfer guy. Uh, what, a, what a shot in the arm to give Michigan State fans who probably didn't know what to expect in the season. And quite frankly, we still don't. Uh, it's a long season, and sometimes if you start off as hot as you do like that, obviously their next opponent is Youngstown State. I don't imagine they'll drop that. But then the week after, they have a Miami. Miami team that's technically ranked in the top 25 got beat up by Alabama in week one but I think as you look through the schedule is there optimism for Michigan State for sure I touched on that in the first episode here that uh, there's a lot of reasons to believe this could be a team that could you know catch some people by surprise that's kind of Michigan State's MO in a lot of these years where nobody likes what they're going to see from the Spartans and Mel Tucker the guy wins big ball games he beat Northwestern a year ago when they were big 10 West champs and he beat Michigan so what kind of uh, results is he going to have in store, in store for the team in Spartan Nation this year? We'll have to find out, but uh, nobody's complaining about a 1-0 start on the road. And with Youngstown State coming up, I know our news director, Pat Livingston, went to Youngstown State, so I don't want to rip on them too bad, but uh, I think there's a good chance that Michigan State is going to go 2-0 to start this young college football season. Who knows? Once you head down to South Beach, we'll see how things go with Miami. I know it's a good program going in the right direction there as well. Uh, but at this point, the sky's the limit for Michigan State as far as what they can accomplish, and if, if this running back can keep up the production, he's not going to get four touchdowns and 260 yards every week, but if you can get confident play like that from him and from this team, then obviously you're going to have Michigan State move up on the win column a, a few more numbers, a few more, few more Ws than I think a lot of experts peg them for entering this college football season. So when you go to Michigan, the Wolverines open things up Saturday at the Big House, the high noon kickoff with Western Michigan, and everybody pretty much penciled in a 1-0 start for the Wolverines there. And sure enough, 47-14 was the final. Uh, but the big blow for Michigan made official on Monday is that their uh, stud wide receiver, Ronnie Bell is now going to be out of this one for the season. He suffered a knee injury in that game uh, somewhat early on. I didn't really watch much of it. I was downstate at a six-year-old's birthday party, but uh, plenty of people were filling me in because I was with plenty of Michigan fans, uh, obviously wanting to make sure Harbaugh got off on the 2021 season on the right foot. Uh, and they did. They got the win and looked impressive. And I think there's, just like Michigan State, a lot of reasons to be at least optimistic for Michigan to to be productive this season. I don't think anybody's picking them to beat Ohio State this year. But uh, you want to beat Western Michigan, no problems. And that was the case. Now they're going to be without Bell for the year, which he was their leading receiver a year ago as far as stats are concerned. So that's a tough guy to replace. But you got to believe Michigan's got enough talented recruits that are, are going to be able to fill in some of those gaps, some of those holes. Uh, the intriguing part a week ago was going to be Michigan facing one of what is supposed to be the best teams in the Pac-12 this year in the Washington Huskies. They're ranked 20th in the first AP poll, but 
If you didn't know, Washington actually dropped their game over the weekend to Montana of all teams, which you don't expect a Montana program from a group of five conference to really knock off a Washington team that's ranked top 25 in the Pac-12 is always trying to look for respect, and they're they're not going to gain much from a loss like that. So uh, it looks like Michigan will have an easy opponent entering or an easier opponent entering a, the night kickoff at the Big House this upcoming Saturday, but. You know, Coach Harbaugh even said himself, I in no way judge the results of that Washington game and expecting that's the same team we're going to play this weekend. If anything, you might you don't want to take them for granted because they've already been put in this hole and put in this embarrassing spot. I saw the news last week, uh, week of the people showing the uh, results from the Michigan App State game that caught everybody off guard back in 2007. I was in attendance for that game, and no doubt Michigan the next week, I think they did drop that next game that year against an Oregon team, I want to say. I might be mistaken. I might be thinking of another Michigan season, one of those first under Rich Rod. But that right after that App State game, uh, you know, after you lose a game like that, you don't want to drop two in a row. And that's where Washington's at. A very tough matchup for them going on the road at Michigan to try and get that first win of the season. But, uh, you know, they're going to do everything they can to avoid going 0-2 to start the year. But, you know, this Michigan team might be too impressive. And uh, based on the results so far this season, two out of their league. That's all what we'll have to wait and see. That's definitely one of the interesting games. Ohio State and Oregon is another interesting Big Ten, Pac-12 crossover. We kind of have a, ourselves a little like Rose Bowl-themed weekend here in week two of college football for those two schools. Uh, excited to see what goes down in both those games and the college football slate as a whole. And that's how we'll wrap up this week. You know, football is back just like we hammered home at the beginning. Uh, so a lot of great things in place. And uh, an exciting time to be a fan of sports again as we shift into that fall season. Weather's going to get a little cooler, and uh, we might spend a little more time in front of our TVs on the couches. I know I have a nice couch and a big 65-inch TV at my house that I I set up for a good reason because I like to spend a lot of my Saturdays uh, monitoring college football games. So that'll be in my near future here. I'm going to get a few more golf rounds in, but I'm definitely going to spend my near future uh, digesting a lot of college football on Saturdays. I'll make time for NFL, but NFL has never been as big in my passion as, as a college football would be come this time of year. Uh, hey, maybe I'll take Josh uh, Reband's suggestion and get Apple TV and uh, start watching Ted Lasso, too, in the next few months. I'm kind of wrapping up Friday Night Lights again, my second viewing. For those of you who may remember Friday Night Lights being on NBC about 10 years ago, uh, it's a fun show, a very teen drama-y show, but at least there's football around it kind of make it a, l- a little more interesting, and that was kind of my reason for rewatches. It's that time of year. just kind of wanted to put myself in those shoes again. So, uh, yeah, Friday Night Lights, not a terrible show, and if you're at all, if you like the movie, it's a lot of elements from the movie crossed over. And, uh, hey, maybe you've even listened, watched the show and you know exactly who I'm talking about and you're the biggest Tim Riggins fan on the face of this earth. I'm more of a Matt Saracen guy myself, but, uh, you know, I'm also looking forward to the, the seasons where Michael B. Jordan makes his debut for uh, Coach Eric Taylor's football teams as well. So a lot of great young actors in that show uh, and, and fun people to watch. But you're not here for TV show reviews, although you're probably going to have to put up with some of those throughout this, this time period because I definitely do like to watch uh, TV and movies just as much as I do like to watch some sports. So let's wrap up. This show's going way longer than week one, and you're probably already sick of me already, and you say, okay, give me another week. And that's exactly what I'm going to give you another week until we catch back up for episode three of The Hometowner. But until then, I've been your host, sports director Harrison Beebe. Take care, have a good one, and we will see you in seven days.